God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right, we are back for another episode of the Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. Thank you so much for tuning in. Very special episode lined up. We got to speak with head coach Hugh Freeze and get his thoughts on some of the offseason and uh, Malik hype that has been building. I know you guys have seen several of the stories and just talk about him being drafted um, high in the Next year's draft predicted first round by many, also Heisman candidate hopeful, and uh, which is really was started by our second guest, Bruce Feldman. Bruce is a writer for The Athletic, uh, did a piece on Malik and his rise here in draft stock, and uh, Bruce kind of kicked this whole thing off, and now you're seeing a ton of articles about Malik and just the hype is building like crazy. So we're excited to talk to Bruce and get how he generated this idea. Is this something that he's been working on for a while? So I got to ask him that. Really liked his answer. He's been putting a lot of work in on Malik and uh, doing his background and and had this story planned for a while. So, um, yeah, we're excited to have that. It has been quite the super spring around Liberty Athletics with several championships. Golf has just recently got placed in a regional they are ranked in the top 20 in the country. I believe they got a three seed in the regional. Uh, got a few players playing in the individual as well. So golf is doing amazing. Baseball is ranked first in the A-Sun and just several championships. So athletics are definitely in that golden era that Ian McCall references quite regular. So we are excited to be a part of it. Really actually looking forward to this fall when we can all be in Williams Stadium I talked to Hugh Freeze about the 25000 and if we can sell out this year, and he said that was one of his goals. So um, without further ado, hope you enjoy these two interviews, and uh, thank you as always for listening, and uh, go Flames. All right, guys, we have with us head coach Hugh Freeze. Coach Freeze, I don't know if uh, where your visor is, but I got my head head coach you freeze visor on um when i watch liberty football it kind of makes me a little bit smarter i feel like i'm into the game yeah i wish i had mine on man i wish <laughs> I, but we had we had a few meetings this morning i'm trying to get all these kids academically eligible this this is people don't understand the this is the worry time for me i mean <laughs> yeah. I, I worry about games and stuff and all of that but the real worry comes when you know they have free time School's ending, spring fever's in the air. Mm-hmm. You get a list that has several on it that need to finish up work. And uh, that that's when – this is a stressful time for me, for May, when they're away from me. And I'll, I'll be ready for them to get back with Dom in June. Yeah. Coach, I, I crammed all 
four years of my Liberty experience into five as well. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. not just a football thing. All right. No. So you, you seem to have struck a pretty unique work-life balance, uh, especially in your particular profession. How's spending a time away from the game and with your family and just having fun? I see pictures of you guys fishing and golfing and whatnot. How's that helped you be a better coach? Yeah. Man, for general? me, that's that's the only way I think it works for me. And um, I'm certainly not – I think everybody has to play to who they are. Um, but if I didn't have that and all I had was uh, no hobbies and just the grind of – Let's go study more film. Number one, I don't think this building would 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 be happy. I don't think the uh, the chemistry we have here and the excitement to be around each other would be as great. And I think our kids would sense that. Um, I've always been. I've worked on staffs where it was six o'clock to midnight, and uh, and truthfully, that's probably where I learned that's not what I'm going to be. And now, when it's time to grind, I will grind. Um, but I do think the the balance of um, preparing your team, mentoring your team, teaching your team, along with being the type of husband, father, friend, son, daughter, um, and I need the time away. I, I do. I, I just know I'm better when I feel much better when I've gone and walked 18 holes of golf and I can come back, you know, my ideal vacation, Chad, you're going to laugh at this and my wife gets on me, but my ideal vacation is get up in the morning, come to the office, check on things with Dom, check on things with academics, go play golf, come back to the office, finish up whatever I want to do, sleep in my own bed. <laughs> that's, that's my idea. I don't have to go anywhere, man. I, it's kind of, but I don't know. I just, I just don't think it has to be an all consuming uh, thing and it's better for me. And, you know, if I'm, if that's not uh, what works for uh, the administration or some places I'm at, then I'm probably not the right fit, but um Ian knows that about me. He's very supportive and we're going to get our job done and we're going, but I do, uh, I do believe there needs to be a great balance, particularly for who we say we are and our core values. And, you know, I heard a kid this weekend at, at the wedding I went to that has been around me the last seven years say, you know, on the stage as he's talking about things is, that's what I've learned from Coach Freeze. And I've learned how to compete from him, but I've also learned how to compete to be good at other things that are that are really important. So that, that matters to me. Very cool. So um, I feel like I talk with a lot of fans. I have a pretty good finger on the pulse for just our general fan base and our expectations. I see the message boards. I follow Twitter. I keep up with it. And I guess – it's kind of odd because here we are, we have probably a record amount of production returning from an incredible top 25 season team. But I think our fan base, we're just so new to this. We're kind of just like on cloud nine. I think if we win eight games, go to a bowl. 
I think we're all kind of cool with that. And I want to know is that that's not very typical across college football, right? With a coach coming in, have as yeah. much early success as you've had. Um, and then also just, you know, with that much returning talent, do you feel that from Flames Nation or is it kind of unique to kind of where we are building a program? Is that something we should expect or what? Yeah, you know, a couple of things I'll say about that is, is one, I'm kind of um, happy and proud of myself that I really, I truthfully, man, don't keep up a lot with social media anymore. Um, I try to get on it every now and then because I know I probably need to respond to a few things, but usually I just scroll to the top. So I know I've missed a lot of things. So you're probably going to have to text me or direct message me on some things I need to respond to. But that's one of my goals. It's just just to not be heavily involved in that. Um, so um, I, I don't know what all is being said or thought, but what I will say about what you just said is if, if our fan base could remain in that, uh, in that mindset of enjoying the fact that so early in our FBS career we are competing in the games we're in, whether it be Power 5 teams or – or some of the better group of five teams, and we're competing to go to bowl games every year. Um, I, I think as long as we are independent, Chad, and this is what I hope people understand, as long as we're independent, um, that should be the goal because there's not a goal to win a conference championship. Now, we're, we're going to change that conversation when we or if we get in the conference one day but in the meantime, what is important for, I think, everyone to understand and our players and our coaches is, you know what, seven wins next year with the same talent we had last year. Now, who knows about injuries and all that, but seven wins next year may actually quantitatively be as successful as 10 wins were last year. So you can't when you're an independent, you can't put a numerical value on what is um, quantitative enough to be successful. And that's the way I view it. And I believe it's the truth because every year the schedule is different and every year it's, it's, you know, it's, it can be harder. It cannot, you know, I think next year's schedule is harder. Um, and I know people will say, well, man, you play da, 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 but, yeah, I understand the, the the southern group of five schools that we have, UAB, Troy, Lafayette, North Texas, those dudes have different cats now on the defensive front in particular and that skill spot. So um, you add to that the, the power fives we have, you know, who knows? Do I expect us to compete? I do. Do I expect us to uh, – compete to be bow eligible i do and that's where really it stops in my mind because i just it, it's so difficult you know if we were in conference usa you and i would be having a different conversation we would be saying we need to be competing to win win the conference but we're not and so until then I think, you know, the goal is for us to compete in every game and to be men, hopefully being bowl eligible by the end of the year. Yep. That, that's, so you've heard a lot about the Malik, uh, Malik Willis this weekend. Um, you were quoted in Bruce Feldman's article this weekend, and it's kind of just generated this hype. We all kind of knew it, 
but somebody like Bruce and then a few others have kind of put him in the, and it's finally we're to his draft class now or what could potentially be his draft class. That's what I wanted to ask you about. We all obviously want what's best for Malik and his career. I'm sure you do too. Uh, we would support him either way, but what's better for the LU program? You're, in your experience, is it better if he were to stay an extra year and have a, one more year of eligibility with him, uh, just performing the way he does? Or would it be more beneficial if he were to leave and uh, go enter his name in the draft, be drafted first round, and then have a have a decent NFL career? Would that, for our LU in particular, being selfish for us, which one's better uh, in your experience? I'm definitely selfish for LU. He needs to stay two years. <laughs> yeah, so you, you want to just win some games. Yeah, but I, you know, listen, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to support him, but I do hope and pray that he and uh, his, uh, his, his family, uh, that we can really sit down and really talk facts and not speculation and not, and not to what could be, or, you know, and I've got a lot of connections. I'm thankful for that. I've got a ton of connections in the, in the general manager world's in the agent world that uh, I think all can uh, give me accurate information when that time comes. Um, To me, it's way too early for us to be speculating. I think that, and hopefully Malik is mentally strong enough. I think he is uh, to where none of that distracts him, but uh, you know, he's got to have another great year. And then, and then I think, we need to sit down and have an honest conversation. And truthfully, if he's, if he in every indication would be a first round pick, you know, you can't, you can't uh, ask a kid to bypass that and, and then him come back and that not work out again. So, but until we gather those facts, I just think everything's really, really, uh, man, premature. So, um, I'm hopeful for our program that we'll have him as a first round draft pick. That would mean we've done well and he's done well. Um, when that time comes, though, let's let's sit down and have that conversation. So uh, you've mentioned you like to accomplish firsts, and, and that's something you like being in the record books. Uh, I believe we'll have our first sellout at Williams Stadium this year, it, you know, restrictions and all that lifted. Um how incredible of a coaching experience is that a player experience, but also fan experience for just us to be able to get in there with 25,000, I guess, of our closest friends and flames nation, how, how incredible and momentum building is that sellout like that actual sellout number where we're like, Hey, nobody else can get in here. Here we are. We're we're jam packed in here. How cool is that? That's all my, uh, so I have a, I have a top 25 things to accomplish list. Uh, every time I go to a new program and that's, that's on there. So uh, it would be a milestone for us. I believe it would have happened last year had we not had the, uh, the, the restrictions. Um, but this is something we need to do and we need to make this a, a, a ticket. That's uh, you know, a lot of people talk about expansion and, and I, I'm not big on that. I think you keep it um, to where it's a hard ticket to get. And, and that's what, uh, man, I would love nothing more to see this place just uh, jam-packed, um, full. I even told Ian that uh, I'd love to see us start getting some of these uh, Thursday night games. I think that would be – I, I don't know how many people, though, 
come from out of town. I know that would be difficult, but I mean, I think a Thursday night atmosphere here with and get every student to come, um, man, I, I think it would be rocking. Yeah, that would be incredible. Looking forward to that. I think we're going to have it this fall. That's my prediction. Uh, looking forward to that. And last one for you, coach, is uh, I saw you catching or you at least saw your daughter catching some catfish this weekend. Uh, have you pulled any big ones out of Smith Mountain Lake? You know what? My daughter didn't catch that, but <laughs> I made her handle it. You know, man, I love going back. My dad and I used to growing up, we would set trot lines when the rain in the in the bottom of uh, Archibald Lake in the backwaters. And uh, something that we always enjoyed doing and. He had set three out the day before we got there. And, and so the day one we go and uh, we had a 15 pounder on one of the trot lines. And that's the one that Jordan was trying to pick up out of the sink. And um, and then the next day we caught 10 or 12, uh, not, nothing that big, but some really nice ones. And both my other daughters got to go with us. And that's just memories that uh, man, me and my father uh, have together and, as he gets older, I enjoy doing that probably even more. Hadn't, hadn't been fishing at Smith Mountain Lake yet, and uh, I love to bass fish, so I've got to I've got to get into that this uh, this summer. Yeah, stripers are what's big over there. Stripe bass, they're they're like gotcha. thirty pounds over there. So, yeah. uh, Coach, really appreciate your time. Thanks for everything. Uh, keep it up. But really looking forward to watching you guys play this fall and. Uh, and keep up the good work, man. We're all so proud of what's going on here. I can't even explain. I mean, I, I say this all the time, but just five years, it's a whirlwind, Coach. Five years from where we are mm -hmm. to where we are now. Like, it, it's like, are we dreaming? I don't know what's happening, but uh, it's fun. So we really appreciate it. It is, that, man. We're, we're, we're thankful for all the blessings we have here. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great place. Thank you, Coach. All right, everyone, thanks uh, for joining. We have with us one of my favorite college football reporters, analysts, writers, Bruce Feldman. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'll just start with this. The, the content creation across uh, has completely changed since you started doing this back in the day. And uh, it's connected fanboy blogs like, like us with best-in-class journalists like yourself. So specific to college football, has this influx and layers of content been a positive thing for the college football game, in your opinion? Uh, first of all, thanks for the kind words on that. Um, but yeah, I think so, because certainly for we're serving the fan, right? We're serving the fan who has a lot of passion for either the sport or specifically their team. And so it's more content. It's more stuff to pour through. And um, I think it's certainly... Um, you don't have to be a diehard fan of the school that you cover for you to become a resource for people who are, quote unquote, the mainstream media or people who are more on the traditional media side, as you know, I think as we're talking about, because, um, you know, if I am like, I, you know, I've known Hugh Freeze for a long time now, for probably close to 20 years, but in maybe october i'm trying to remember if it was october or november i did a story on him and and liberty um and just when you're you know on background i think you're looking for as much information as you can and sometimes 
oftentimes, but sometimes, uh, blogs cover those programs um, as in-depth as anybody. So it's good background information and it's good, you know, resources. And sometimes there's really good video stuff that you can, that is out there that maybe I can't use from a rights issue in my story, but I can definitely use it to prepare for interviews or, you know, reference it. So there's all sorts of, you know, all sorts of benefit to it from, from my perspective. Very cool. So really enjoyed uh, the Malik article you had on the athletic thought it was really well done. You had some good quotes from about just about anybody that would uh, be related to the situation. So when you, when did you first identify Malik as an NFL prospect type thing? Is this something you watched a game last season and just kind of stored this one away? Or is this something you do at the end of every year kind of to go along with the draft kind of say, okay, what productions returning next year? And uh, who are those guys that we can identify? Is this something you started a while back or is this just something that you kind of do every year? No, it's something in the case of this Malik story that, you know, we ran on the athletic went up uh, Sunday as we're taping this. Um, You know, I knew about him and I'd seen him play, uh, but I'll be honest, I did not know what quote unquote football evaluators thought of him, which is you know, certainly coaches or scouts. And so about, I don't know, the last month I had spent running, working up to the draft, talking to all kinds of NFL position coaches and some scouts. And one of them, it was relatively early on in the process, was one of the first quarterback coaches I talked to. Uh, we had talked about what was coming in the, likely in the 2022 NFL draft, what the options were. And there isn't, like this time last year, people knew Trevor Lawrence was coming. They knew Justin Fields was coming. And some of the NFL people I had talked to knew that Trey Lance was on the radar. They didn't know for sure he was coming out, but they knew that he had a lot of the, a lot of the ability that they really liked. And so in the case of this year, at this point, there isn't the overwhelming, oh, yeah, there are going to be a couple of definite guys who are top five caliber talents. A quarterback. There's some people who like Sam Howell, some people who are not as sold. You know, there's some people who are intrigued by Keaton Slovis from USC, but he has a little bit of an injury history that gives him concern. Um, and then there's some other kind of random guys that people that are at least a little bit, you know, blips on the radar for them. When uh, at one point this coach said, yeah, the kid from Liberty is one that we need to look at a lot more because he has got a cannon for an arm and he can run. And there's some, there's a little bit of buzz out there. I was like, oh, okay. And I knew known Quincy Avery, who has worked with him. You know, obviously, as you know, Malik is an Atlantic kid and Quincy Avery is based down there and has worked with him since he was probably in 10th grade. And then uh, I texted Quincy right around that point. I was like, okay, what's the deal with Malik? I mean, in terms of like, I started hearing some, pretty strong stuff about him. And he said, he has the livest arm of anybody I worked with. And it's like, he's, and at the time, you know, he's helping coach Trey Lance and Trey Lance has the strongest arm in this draft. So I'm like, and by the way, Trevor Lawrence is in this draft and Zach Wilson's in this draft. So that's a mouthful for him to say that. And, and Quincy's worked with a bunch of players, quarterbacks who are in the NFL, including, you know, guys who are starting in the NFL. So that is a mouthful, obviously. And, then I was like, all right, let me talk to some defensive coordinators who faced them. And 
And one of them also happened to face Zach Wilson last year. And, you know, people can read the story on the athletic about what the coast of Carolina, you know, DC thought about Malik. Um, I can also, you know, I, I talked to, um, Tony Gibson, who, who they did the best job against Malik last year. He had three picks, but he's like, we were scared to death of them, you know, and just from what they see on film and the more people you talk to, and even the story went up on Sunday, Sunday night, I got a text from another defensive coordinator who I know a little bit, who I hadn't reached out to. And he also was very, very like effusive on what Malik does and his ability. And just like, he was like, he's got a cannon, makes smart decisions, knows when to throw and when to run and really tough to tackle. And all that stuff bodes really well for him as the, with the way the NFL game is going. Yeah. That was going to be kind of a question here is what NFL quarterback I was just trying to run through what NFL quarterback were you hearing? Was it, um, you know, Murray? What, what are some of the comparisons you heard when, when working on this? Um, was there anybody saying, hey, this guy's a lot like this or uh, he could play a lot this way? And I guess the second part of that question is, can a quarterback in Freeze's offense, who you've been following for a while, can a quarterback in that really up-tempo college-style offense um rpos a ton are can that translate to the nfl is the nfl kind of going that direction so the first is have you heard any comparisons to nfl quarterbacks and then can a quarterback like malik who runs and freezes offense can that translate to the nfl well in your opinion i think it can to take the second part first in that you know look when i talk to freeze from the story there are a lot of reads and decisions that the quarterback is making you know, post snap and that kind of process. And I think when they talk, when Ken Austin talks about how coachable that he is, when, you know, Freeze talks about how humble he is and his, and some of those other attributes, um, I think those things translate well. What it might mean for is there's probably more of a learning curve that's going to happen when he goes to the NFL, where maybe he's the guy who you're not expecting to play right away now look if his if his physical tool set is so eye-popping where he may be a top five pick usually top five quarterbacks or top five picks they got to play right away um so i don't know how that part would work we're you know obviously we're way ahead of ourselves on that because you know we're still a year out from next year's draft but i don't see why any why any reason that it can't happen. If Hugh Freeze has produced receivers who've gone into the NFL and had a lot of success, he could certainly have quarterbacks who do it. It just comes down to the quarterback and comes down to the circumstance of what they go into. Um, I had asked that one coach who I was texting with last night about, because I was trying to think of like the thing that is different about him than maybe Zach Wilson is he's a, you know, people talk about he's a physically, it's almost like he's a linebacker kind of body type, whereas Zach Wilson is not that. Zach Wilson's a good athlete, but so you're talking about like a durability, a physical, a kid who you think could handle it, a strong runner. This guy thought, I said, is he like, because you think about, you mentioned Kyler, and Kyler's really dynamic and and uh, just has a, has a ton of burst to him. Um, the one I was like, okay, was he like Lamar Jackson? I was Lamar Jackson's a great running quarterback who's had, you know, hit the ground running and had success. This guy was not sure if he had the same kind of long speed that Lamar Jackson has. Um, 
you know, he said he's kind of running wise compared him to Woody Dantzler. I don't know if you remember him from Clemson, who ended up going to the NFL and playing different position. Um, he said from a running standpoint, he goes, he reminds me of, he said he's a strong runner. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I think they're, you know, all the quarterbacks are kind of, we love to compare them, but they're all kind of different and everything. And so I think you have running back kind of skill set with a huge arm. Um, and so we'll see where that takes them. So not really his playing style, but really what, you know, Liberty's new to the FBS. Hugh Freeze comes to the scene. We had some success last year, finished top 25. And I guess I've kind of seen the comparison I've drawn, not from playing style again, but more from his impact on the program is RG3 at Baylor. Just come in and, and kind of really change things down there from just somebody who's been covering college football for a long time. Um, I'm not sure how many new FBS teams you've covered like this, but I, I wonder what is the impact that a player like Malik can have on our program? Is it something he can change the culture? Is that what RG3 did at Baylor for them? And kind of, um, you know, can we hang our hat on this one player and all this publicity that, that Malik's going to get and the school's going to get this year, probably have a few games on television um, in front of a lot of eyeballs. Is that a huge impact, just having a player being talked about in this type of way of top, you know, top draft picks and, and even the Heisman as we get going down the road? Can that have a, you know, a decade long of impact on a particular program like Liberty's who's young and hasn't, hasn't experienced that before? It's a good question. Um, it definitely can have a lasting impact, especially if, if it is a big year, because I think there will be a lot more eyeballs on on Liberty. Look, I would not be surprised if there's going to be other NFL-related media who are going to do a, a version of the story that we did at The Athletic over the weekend because of the skill set. The buzz is obviously building about him. Um, you know, I think I'm trying to say this the right way like i i think one of the biggest winners in the coaching carousel in 2021 was liberty because there was a bunch of sec jobs that came open including one that like like i said i've known freeze for a long time unprompted i know how much he grew up loving the tennessee job and you know like that um because of circumstance they didn't hire him and like if you had asked me, and this is I know not your question, if you had asked me who would who would give Tennessee the best chance to become a top 20 program again, who they could get, it's a slam dunk. It's not the guy they hired, it's the guy they it's the guy who's, you know, still in still in Lynchburg now. Um, and I would say the same about South Carolina, but I don't think that for whatever reason, I don't think that, you know, ever really even got off the ground. But um as like, no doubt, I think Malik is going to be the marquee guy in 2021. But, you know, if Freeze is there five years from now, um, they're going to win a lot of games. And they're going to, you know, like, as long as he's there, they're going to be a real problem for teams to deal with, opponents to deal with. Um, and so I think it would, you look at his track record, this wasn't really part of the story, but you just kind of go down the line. Ryan Applin had a record-setting career for him. Um, you know, Bo Wallace, who I think sometimes people were like, kind of like was a little bit of a, of a cult hero in some regard, but that was a guy who like turned out to have a really productive career 
in the SEC. It wasn't like, you know, he had it at a high level. Um, and so you start with those guys, and I, I just think it's a very quarterback-friendly system. Not to take anything away from Malik, but if I was a high school quarterback, and again, I don't know if anybody's going to say, hey, I'm going to go play at Liberty as opposed to play at South Carolina or play at Liberty as opposed to play in the ACC because I just think there's going to be a lot. Of, like the difference, What I get the comparison you made with RG3 because that was when they kind of became a breakout program, but that was still a power five program. And so, you know, I think it was great for that for, for Liberty that they were able to play three ACC programs. And I think a lot of things broke well for them because Coastal, like if you play Coastal week two, um, you know, yeah, they would have beat Kansas, but it's Kansas. They stink and, you know, like all that part of it. But instead you play, you play Coastal after Coastal's really kind of been like the breakout program in, 2020 and they beat BYU in that crazy week that it was. So I think a lot of stuff like aligned pretty well for Liberty in terms of play the three ACC opponents, play coastal when you play them and then beat them. And so I think if they can, if they can kind of leverage more of this with Malik and the attention that they're getting and look, I think it's been really cool to see. I've noticed a ton of uh, what I assume are Liberty fans, but in general, there's been a lot of traction on our story about Malik. Um, you know, it's not the first time he's ever been written about. I'm sure you've written a ton about him. I know we've actually at the athletic had done stories about him after he left, but this was a different context of him as possible top 10 draft pick as opposed to, Hey, this guy is a really good fit in Freeze's system. Yeah, we're totally, uh, we were following all of those coaching searches and, and knew that Freeze had to be or should have been near the top of most of those. So undoubt, undoubtedly, we are we know we kind of dodged one this year in uh, the SEC and kind of just watching watching which jobs open up down there next year and kind of just know we have we have a good one there. <clears throat> I guess um lastly here, um I asked Freeze about this earlier this morning. I talked with him and and, and asked him this question. And I'm not really sure, but if let's say Malik uh, comes out and goes to the draft and is a top prospect, like, you know, he is predicted or could be predicted to be um, and has a decent NFL career, I guess from a Liberty perspective, Liberty fan perspective, would that have a bigger impact on our brand and our name or would having him stay an extra year? He has two years of eligibility left. I don't know if that's a COVID thing. Um, but he has two years of eligibility or would a bigger impact be him come back for both of those years and continue winning games? I guess I'm trying to figure out which one impacts us longer term as far as a program. And, and I get that freeze being here is really the main, the main piece there, but just in your experience, have you seen um, where a quarterback gets drafted from, you know, Tony Romo, I know that's a long time ago, but somebody who got drafted from a, pretty much a no-name school and then that school's recruiting upticked for the next five years or so. Have you seen anything like that? And what can you share with us about just that whole process of having an NFL quarterback and what it does for your program in terms of recruiting and just prestige and things like that? Well, I definitely think it helps. I mean, use this context. Carson Wentz, and he was not the first really, really good quarterback that North Dakota State had. But it was a lot easier to sell 
Trey Lance to go there than to go to like Boise State or somewhere because, hey, there's been a guy who's gone. And now that program is a powerhouse. And there was a quarterback who had a lot of success there and ended up playing in the CFL right before Wentz. Um, but I think that stuff, kids notice that more and because of social media, you can sell it more, right? So whether he were to stay for, you know, if he's if he were to be there in 2022 season, I'm guessing like he wouldn't be seen as the top 15 pick because you're I, I just don't think you're going to stay as a quarterback and get another year if you know you can be a first round pick. Right. So I think best case scenario is he has a huge year. He goes as a top 10 pick. Um, for whatever reason, school, like the right jobs, like getting back to freeze, like I don't see him leaving for a big 10 job. I don't, I just think he knows where he wants to be. I think he knows the fits. So maybe no really good SEC job opens up or maybe no really good ACC job opens up. And if that's the case, I think that's the, probably the best thing that could happen to Liberty is that case because you know this guy has a track record. I have no idea who the backup is at Liberty. I'm sure you do. Um, and I don't know who, the, who they just signed. I sh probably should. But if uh, whoever that guy is or whoever is on their radar, I guarantee you they are seeing, um, they are showing them, okay, this is our guy now. Remember, like somewhere along the way, people at Auburn, not all, but some people did not think that Malik, Malik Willis could throw the ball, like didn't think he was a good passing quarterback. So, you know, yeah, you got a really good system with Freeze. You also have a guy in, in Ken Austin who played in the NFL and has, you know, like has done a really good job with turning a guy who, for whatever reason, and maybe look, and I, I you know, the story we, we had at The Athletic, I don't know, Andy Staples did probably six months ago was about. Uh, Malik was seemed to be pretty candid and was like, "Hey, I didn't work the way I needed to work when I was at Auburn. I think some of that some some of that could be certainly a a maturity thing, and some of it could be just kind of like you don't know what you don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, if I am if I am freeze or if I am Liberty, I'm marketing the heck out of this this guy and what he has become, and I think that's definitely something that will get other quarterbacks' attention because they see um the you know i can still be on tv and you know the nfl is a benchmark for so many quarterbacks that's where they want to get to when you're 16 17 18 years old yeah yeah uh totally agree with you there thank you so much bruce uh I really appreciate your time love your stuff i try not to give too much away from the article there but it was a really well done piece i think um you know even to get into the mechanics that coach austin got into was pretty eye-opening something he's been talking to us about it for a little while just the how he breaks it down and it's not like hey he, he sails the ball he told you exactly why he sails the ball so much and his accuracy and what's improved so very well done much appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh, your coverage down the road bruce feldman thank you very much